Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Welcome once again to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, right here on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word in Orlando, Alan Dempsey, engineers for us, gets us on the air every weekend. Uh, Andrew Herdliska is our producer. Ken Weitzma is our guest from the Portland, Oregon area, founder of Kilns College, and the co-author of Redeeming How We Talk. Moody Publishers put it out, Discover. How communication fuels our growth, shapes our relationship, and changes our lives. How are you, Ken? Welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Why was it important to write this book, Ken? Why? What was the uh, background here? Well, I think the, the real thing that was pressing in on me was the idea that uh, all of life is about relationships and that ultimately relationships trade on the currency of communication. And, uh, and so with just all of the, the modern challenges to communication, speech, how we use words, it seemed like a, a good thing to be able to reflect on um, the tools, the mediums by which we, we communicate and relate to one another. Uh, you um, do 12 chapters in your book. I want to get a nice coverage here of the book. You open with a topic called a creative word. Uh, explain that to us. Yeah, so God spoke the world into existence. I think we all are taught when we're younger and it kind of becomes a part of our thinking. Uh, but there's something powerful in that, that, that words are inherently uh, powerful, that they make a difference, that they create, that they shape, that they move. And so if we're made in the image of a creative God, then our words are a part of that, that, that somehow uh, as speaking beings, uh, that reflects the glory of God, our words come out of us with power, uh, with intentionality, and to shape the world around us. So just trying in, in the beginning of the book to get people thinking once again or, or even uh, calling to mind what I think we all know, which is uh, words are are powerful, you know, extremely powerful. You then um, do a chapter simply called Propaganda, uh, what's in that chapter? Yeah, it's one of my favorite chapters in the book, but just talking about the word propaganda, which comes from uh, a Latin word that, that the Catholic Church used to use for their mission society. So propaganda fide was the, the office of the, the propagation of the faith. So this word propaganda, you know, originally meant uh, how to go and do missions uh, and share with people uh, the good news. But over time, in the early 1900s, with a couple of world wars uh, and the beginning of, of kind of the marketing or advertising culture that was born out of artistic media and the Industrial Revolution, these, these ways of, of communicating, uh, we end up with using words to, um, to shape people in ways that, that might not take their humanity into account. So the, the negative version of that we would attach to Hitler and the Nazis, etc. And just tracing the history that it actually didn't begin with Hitler and the Nazis, that it began in World War I, uh, and that Great Britain and the United States were the ones that were really effective at moving their societies through the use of propaganda, uh, and then 
then in World War II, that was kind of borrowed from or used as a template. So just trying to help people understand what the forces are that shape us through the use, uses of words all around us. And then in some sense, we need to take control uh, a little bit of, of what's going on around us, how we hear it, how we let it shape us, and then ultimately how we think about um, shaping other people, whether we're twisting, being manipulating, or like Paul says, uh, that I didn't come with wise and persuasive words, but I came with profound truth. So um, it's a fun little chapter. Now tell us about the challenge of connecting in a digital age. Yeah, boy, I think we, we all have experience with that. I think we're just learning to figure out how to name and describe it. But one of the ways to describe it is that when we're interacting through social media or online, we're, we're, we tend to trade our opinions or our conclusions back and forth. Um, but what gets missed in that is the actual dialogue. So seeing how one another comes to their conclusions, their, their thought process, their reasoning, their experiences, uh, even kind of getting a sense of how they're using their words. Instead, we just get the conclusion that we react to because our conclusion or bottom line is different. So we talk at or past one another. We're not actually conversing together. So really, really reflecting in that chapter on the challenges to dialogue, to deep communication that comes with that, even to understanding ourselves and, and how our communication or conversations are being shaped. Um, the algorithms at work and social media, uh, they, they see what we interact with, what we hover over, just just hover over, and they're always learning us. And so over time, those algorithms are designed to lead us to the most extreme version of ourselves. And so we, we ultimately end up in an echo chamber created by our own uh, preconceptions. And so trying to learn that, be able to step outside of that, make sure that we're hearing all the voices in the room, make sure that we're, we're understanding where people are coming from. Uh, but yeah, tiptoeing into the digital age and, and trying to help people make sense a little bit of all of the, the mass communication right now. Ken Weitzma is the author of Redeeming How We Talk, uh, the next topic, Ken, I want you to get into is a brief history of information. Uh, what are you writing there? Just trying to show in, in that chapter, I love history, and so going, making things forward and, and realizing where language comes from and, and how alphabets were, were formed very briefly and then how we got into things like uh, Gutenberg's press and, and then went forward into uh, the current digital age and just showing that that what we have is an inflation of information, that that the information that we access on a daily basis today uh, is, is just an exponentially higher amount than, than at any time in human history. In fact, Thomas Friedman has a fascinating new book that came out in the last year called Thank You for Being Late, where he argues for the first time in human history uh, the amount of information uh, has and the rate of change of all of that information has surpassed our human uh, cap- capability or capacity of adapting to all of all of that change. So, you know, a lot is going on with just how available to be, and just people into that, help them understand it a little bit, so that they know uh, what it is we're dealing with, rather than just feeling it, being able to four corners and and. My guest, 
from uh, the Portland area, Portland, Oregon, is Ken Weitzma. Ken, uh, here be dragons, you write. Uh, what, what are you saying? Yeah, next chapter, we, we get into the, the old phrase that would show up on maps uh, where they didn't know what was beyond this, this border or this edge, and they would just simply kind of hear dragons. Um, and so uh, the idea is a warning to sailors, don't go there. We don't know what's out there. Um, some people might, might have used it figuratively. Some people might have actually thought there were dragons at that edge of the map. Um, but I think in the Christian world, oftentimes we, we create these guidelines or these maps where we put here be dragons on all the edges, and we warn people to stay away. And warning people stay away from certain conversations is, is another way of, um, of limiting dialogue, limiting conversation, of using fear to, um, to force people not gain the wisdom or to explore or even to understand their neighbor. Uh, so, so difficult topics like race in America. There, there are certain ways uh, that if you're a part of a certain uh, political affiliation or, or what, what not, or live in a certain part of the country, uh, people don't want you using certain phrases, certain words. White privilege would be one of those. Uh, but if we can't talk about those, those difficult topics, in mature ways and, and try and interact with what does my faith look like with regard to this challenging topic, um, then as Christians, we're going to fall behind uh, in, our, in our wisdom and in our ability to navigate and converse culture uh, where they're at. So I, Christian universities, best place in the world to have a, a deep, challenging, hard, even contentious conversation around, around certain topics. But uh, sometimes you can find that a Christian college because of uh, the fear, uh, here be dragons, uh, to legislate against certain conversations being had. So so in that um, chapter, just really trying to open it up and saying, if Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, as long as our motives uh, are to be mature in conversations, to listen, to argue well, and uh, we really shouldn't be afraid of navigating those, those different um, topics. Ken Weitzman is our guest. We're talking about his book, Redeeming How We Talk. More with Ken right after these messages on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Stick with us. We'll be right back. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. If you're paying too much for your health insurance, listen carefully. Due to recent changes in the law, you could be overpaying $500 or more per month on your health care. There are new, more affordable health care options with better coverage. These plans are exempt from the Affordable Care Act and now open to everyone. Health care options with better benefits, costing 30 to 60% less than Obamacare plans and giving you the freedom to see almost any doctor or hospital in the country. Forbes calls this the health care plan that is saving families $20,000 a year. And over 1 million Americans have already taken advantage of this game-changing health care program. Call 800-239-7174 now to find out how much you'll save. Employers, you too can save 50% or more on group medical insurance with health sharing. Our licensed advisors can take away all the stress of finding the right plan for your needs and budget. Best of all, our service is free. This one call could be the best decision you make this year, so don't delay. Call now to see how much you can save. For your free quote, call 800-239-7174. That's 800-239-7174. 800-239-7174. 
Join Richard Jordan, president of Grace School of the Bible, as he opens God's Word every Sunday afternoon at 530 on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. If you missed the Sunday broadcast, you can listen and study along with Dr. Jordan 24-7 at WTLN.com by clicking on the podcast tab and then Riches of Grace. Riches of Grace, a service of Grace Impact Ministries at graceimpact.org. 5.30 Sunday on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Join the Orlando Bible Church Saturday afternoon from 5 to 6 for What Saith the Scripture? Bring your Bible for an hour-long call-in program on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Alexa, play The Word. Orlando. That's all you have to do. You can listen to us through your Amazon Echo, Echo Show, Echo Dot, and Amazon Tap devices. And by the way, Alexa, what's your favorite radio station? That's easy. 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Ken Weitzma is the author of Redeeming How We Talk founder of Kilns College. He's in the Portland area, Portland, Oregon. Uh, Ken, you uh, now move to the the words of God, and uh, you do a chapter called Jesus Speaks. Uh, I'm eager to hear about that one. It's the word of God that incarnates amongst us. It's the message of God incarnated itself. Uh, in, in form so that we could see, touch, and interact. And so there's powerful there, all words taking on life, or the authenticity, words taking on life. And so we talk in, in that chapter not only about the conversation of Jesus, Jesus always surprising us talking to people, tender in, in one moment, and then speaking to his chief leader in that time, he says to Peter, uh, about our, our words being wrapped in in our presence uh, as we as Christ followers as we go out into other people that we're truly incarnating this message of love of reconciliation our words will be seasoned with salt uh, and that's in some sense a reflection or a witness uh, of Jesus uh, through our lives so I love consider doing the whole book called on, on the conversational ethics of Jesus. So be a lot there. What is godly speech? Question mark. Uh, tell us, uh, please, Ken. Uh, well, I, I wish I had all the perfect answers. After we end with a question mark, right? What is godly speech? Is just trying to look at, uh, there's a right way and a wrong way to use words. So, uh, in your anger, do not sin. That's not wrong to be angry, uh, but we still have to uh, do that or speak those kinds of words in a certain way. Uh, Ephesians 4.29, let no unwholesome words, but only building up others according to their There's, There's just a need, I think, at this point in the book for us to go back and say, what, are, what does this actually look like? What are the kinds of words we should be saying as Christians? And really, the answer is, that tools for the reconciliation that our words would up, that our words do not destroy, uh, and, and as we try to uh, reflect the 
designed for how we use the words that have power, the words that he gave us to speak. Now I want you to talk about on wisdom and words. Yeah, and, and that was naturally out of the previous chapter. And so uh, wisdom and words, uh, looking back at this idea of wisdom, wisdom is how to, how to live the good life, uh, how, to, how to live rightly. Um, and so the book of Proverbs being the chief example of that in Scripture, here's a, a book of very practical things to help you live well. And just littered throughout that, that book, the uh, book of Proverbs, all of these verses on how to listen, how to hear, how to speak, um, the, the words of the wise, uh, the sayings of the wise, the, what, a, what a foolish person does or says, uh, and, and what that rashness looks like. And so just going in and saying wisdom is important in the in the life of the believer, it's a subject that's fallen on hard times. We don't often talk about availing ourselves of wisdom. Um, but if we really do move back into that practice of taking wisdom from, from, from others, grow, and life might be better, we're really going to end up interacting with how we use words as a big part of that. My guest from uh, Portland, Ken Whitespa. Redeeming How We Talk is the name of the book. The Mechanics of Hearing One Another. What's the story here, Ken? You're just getting in practical things of uh, conversation. nature of a conversation can do to get this. Uh, get into the Schwanhofer and Henry Gunner. words that something interesting about the world the believer, the Lord, go to God, and we find our grounding, our security in God, God in solitude and silence. Then we come to community with securities, that undergroundedness, and we look only from three. Just looking at the dynamics all the way around the words we use with God, but also the silence where God is able to speak to us and how that ultimately shapes our conversations with others. Tell us about the unity of the church that you write about, Ken. Yeah, the unity of the church uh, is a chapter that really means a lot to me. I've had uh, several different groups read it and, and try and work on group dynamics and communication. And we really just use Matthew 18 and say that the church has for a long time misunderstood that, uh, that passage. They've, it's referred to as the church discipline passage. If someone sins against you, go to them. Uh, if that doesn't work, bring two or th- uh, two or three. And if that doesn't work, tell the church. If that doesn't work, then treat them like a tax collector. With the idea that that um, I think the way we've interpreted that is that you shun them or excommunicate them. Um, but I think that's a misreading of that passage. That uh, right above it, you have uh, a parable of of forgiveness um, and and finding what is lost. You have a parable beneath it of the unmerciful servant that's forgiving all of his debts, but still goes and tries to demand payment uh, from someone who owes him money. And so uh, both above and be, uh, below, you have this reconciliation. I'm sorry, the, the par- uh, parable above is leaving the 99 sheep uh, to go find the one. So reconciliation is at the heart of this whole chapter that, that, uh, of Jesus' dialogue. And when he says, when someone sinned against you, you, you feel wronged or you feel hurt, go back to him. Did I understand you right? Um, this is how I felt when you said that. And there's an opportunity for that relationship to be healed. I didn't mean it. I'm, I'm sorry. Thank you for coming and telling me how you felt or 
wow, you know, hearing your perspective has really changed me. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? There's an opportunity to heal. And if that doesn't work, and you bring a couple other people that are aiming for reconciliation in this, uh, and then ultimately the tax collector part, um, how did Jesus teach uh, or, or interact with tax collectors? And we see Zacchaeus, we see Matthew. Uh, Jesus didn't excommunicate tax collectors. Uh, he was working with them, always trying to bring them out of the life they were in and back into kind of a right relationship with God and others. So in this art of winning people back, we're just saying we've lost the ability to go to the person that we need to talk to. We, we usually go all the way around it. We talk to other people. Um, we create all these back channels. Um, but what we need to do if we're using our words rightly, correctly, and in the right kind of homes, churches, work environments, cities, communities, is, is to learn to always bend into relationship, to go to the person we need to be talking to, uh, and not to use whatever that difficulty is or, or challenge um, to talk about people in the wrong kind of way. The art of winning people back. Uh, what's the story here, Ken? Um, that's uh, very much the same same thing flowing out of the previous chapter, uh, and and we're talking about uh, just the church and, and the role in making all things new and. And what it looks like ultimately is our end as Christians to be agents of reconciliation, ministers of reconciliation, uh, that we really are bringing things back uh, to unity, winning people back. And that one of the greatest tools in the world that we have for that is our words and how we talk. And then I want you to explain to speak a better word. What, what's, the last, uh, what's the story? Last chapter here got as, as practical as we could, so it was a whole lot of um, little subsections just talking about what this could look like if you're a mother, if you're, if you're a married couple, if, uh, if you're in this kind of a, a situation or that, if you're trying to uh, deal with various difficulties. So just practically talking about different kinds of speech. Uh, and when you find yourself in, in different kinds of relationships that would require an attentiveness to words uh, and what that might look like. So just trying to end the book in the most practical way so that the readers are looking out uh, and feeling like right away in their day-to-day relationships, they're being able to access some of this wisdom or knowledge or advice on, on how to speak. Uh, I love driving this book with my friend A.J. Swoboda. AJ's a uh, pastor as well, uh, and he comes from a tradition that, that puts a lot of emphasis on the Holy Spirit. And I thought it was really fun for our two voices to come into the book as well as this chapter and say, how do we, how do we really understand how God is animating us and using our words, um, that this is a part of our ministry, our calling, our giftedness uh, as we go into the different spheres of life? Ken, there's a conclusion to this book. It's simply called Blessed Words. Uh, what, what are you saying there? Yeah, that was kind of a fun uh, little way to end the book, but just talking about if words are inherently powerful, then things like benedictions are powerful. How you're sent out as the community of faith, and, and what are those words spoken over you? And then ultimately, blessings uh, and prayers of blessings. As parents, are we blessing our kids? Are we praying over them? Uh, the kinds of blessings we see in Scripture. And in some sense, the, the, we become the stories we tell, right? Words have power. Uh, they shape reality. We become the stories that we tell. So how do we, in, in some ways, intentionalize our words to create the world that 
that we we envision in our minds that we want to want to get to as believers and in a very practical way making sure with those closest to us that on a regular basis uh, we're affirming them speaking words of life over them and to them why do you think it's important to embrace godly silence ken i think uh in Scripture, it's pretty obvious that, that God says He already knows what we need. Uh, the Holy Spirit that indwells us can can understand what we need deeper than than we can even. Uh, and so, there's there's not too many situations where God doesn't already know what we need. Uh, and Jesus talks about don't be like the pagans in, in Babylon, as if you have to kind of bang your way into to God's ear. Uh, I think the bigger challenge is that we need to receive guidance. Uh, from the Holy Spirit on how we're supposed to navigate life forward. Uh, so that doesn't come with many words. What it comes with is the stillness, the the silence, a lot like Elijah in the desert, um, stilling himself and then being ready and able to hear the, the non-anxious words of God about what is to happen next. So silence precedes or, or creates the space for us to to have the full conversation with God, not just to speak to Him or at Him. Ken, you write, at its core, the ultimate goal of communication is the same as the Eucharist or communion. Uh, what do you mean by that? Um, the ultimate goal of the Eucharist or communion is, is us coming and, and finding how, uh, and being reminded how God has made a way for us, that God has helped us so that we can uh, be redeemed into a right relationship with Him, a right relationship with ourselves, a right relationship with creation uh, and others. It's it's justice, it's shalom, it's peace, it's how things ought to be. And the Eucharist becomes the symbol of how all of this is brought together at the table um, with God's provision for us, the plan of salvation. And so ultimately that picture shows us a lot about what it means to speak good words or to tell the good news or to uh, retrace the steps of God's story, what he's doing in our life and the world around us, that all of those things really are pointing to the same thing. God is reconciling us back to himself. Ken Weitzma has been our guest, founder of Kilns College, co-author of Redeeming How We Talk, Ken, I'm so glad we could hook up here. Thanks for a good visit. Hey, thanks so much, Pat. We'll talk soon. We got more after this, folks, on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's 94.9 FM and AM 950 The Word in Orlando. And remember, faith comes by hearing. We'll be right back. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950 The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Ken Weitzma, our guest in that first segment, talking about his book, Redeeming How We Talk. Uh, Linda Evans-Shepard joins us. She's in the Boulder, Colorado area, president of Right to the Heart Ministries. Uh, Her new book is out with Ravel. Praying God's Promises, the life-changing power of praying the scriptures. Linda, welcome. Nice to chat with you. How are you? Thank you. I'm glad to be here. 
Uh, what does praying God's promises mean? Well, it's interesting, but the Bible is full of promises of God. In fact, there are over 5,400 promises, and by that I mean God says something to us, his people, as a promise he means to keep, because God is a promise maker and a promise keeper. That's his nature. And when we begin to learn what his promises are, then we we don't even have to work at having faith to believe. Really, all we have to do is say yes. Just like we say yes to God, yes to Jesus. We say yes to forgiveness of sin through Jesus. It's just another level of yes to God. Uh, you have uh, 27 topics. <laughs> In your book, let's get started. All right. Uh, One, God's powerful promises. Have we already covered that? Well, right. God's powerful promise. It says in Psalms 145, 13, as a promise, the Lord always keeps his promises. Isn't that fascinating? Mm -hmm. God is a promise maker and a promise keeper, as we said. Second topic, answers to prayer. Yes. Well, God answers prayer, that much we know. And when we are aware of what his his promises are, and when we know what he says, like in Isaiah 65, 24, I will answer them before they even call to me. While they are still talking about their needs, I will go ahead and answer their prayers. So we serve a God who wants us to talk to him and wants us to ask him and wants us to call upon the power of his promises. Linda, I want you to talk about the third topic. It's simply called blessings. Uh, What can you tell us? Well, you know, blessings, that is a fascinating, because it says in Numbers 6, 24 through 26, the Lord will bless you and watch over you. The Lord will smile on you and be kind to you. The Lord will look on you with favor and give you peace. This is a blessing that Moses gave the people, and it's a blessing that God still wants to give us. And why not say yes to that? Yes, that God will bless us and watch over us. Now tell us about breakthroughs. Well, um, breakthroughs are really amazing to have in your life. If you have ever needed God to move in your life and to know that he will, to know that you can call out to him and that he will help you. It says in Psalms 26, 6, 26, we will shout for joy in your victory and lift up our banners in the name of our God. May Adonai, another word for God, fill your fill all your petitions. And I don't know about you, Pat, but if you have ever needed God to come through for you, mm. just know that He will. Mm. Boy, that's encouraging. Linda Evans Shepherd is our guest. Her book is called Praying God's Promises. The life-changing power of praying the scriptures. Uh, the next topic you write about, Linda, is simply called children. <laughs> right. Tell us about it. Well, there was a lot of scripture that I found that were promises for our children, and how glad I was to find that because when I pray, when I can pray scripture, 
then I know that God wants to answer that, especially when I'm praying scriptures that are promises that God has for me. For example, it says in Isaiah 49:25, I will save your children. And for anyone out there who is worried about their children, you can claim that promise. You can say yes to that promise. And then you can go even further because throughout each chapter, I list a ton of promises. And I show you how you can agree with the promise. And I show you how you can pray the promise back to God. And when you are praying something that God wrote, then you already know he agrees with it. So you don't have to wonder, well, what is God's will here? Well, guess what? God's will is to save your children. And how wonderful it is. Uh, For example, it says in Proverbs 14, 26, there is a strong trust in the fear of the Lord and his children will have a safe place. And then Isaiah fifty four thirteen, all your children will be taught by the Lord, and great will be their peace. And if you have a child, a millennial with high anxiety, this is a great prayer to start with right here. And the next topic is simply called comfort, Linda. Uh, we all need that, right? Well, we do. And it says in Jeremiah thirty one thirteen, I will turn their mourning into joy, and I will comfort them. I will give them joy in the place of sorrow. And if you've ever needed God's comfort, what a wonderful scripture to just know and to say yes to. And I know that my family and I have gone through a season of very deep grief at the loss of our daughter two years ago. Mm. And I have to tell you that this promise is true. I could still be sitting around not being able to function, which is sometimes I am tempted to do that, Pat. But but knowing that God's comfort is for me, knowing that my beautiful daughter is with him in heaven, what a comfort it is. And then to find scripture after scripture, promise after promise, just like Matthew 5, 4, blessed are those who mourn, they will be comforted. Or what about Psalms 34:18? The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. He saves those who are broken in spirit. I definitely say yes to those promises. And as a result, I can feel the comfort of God. Now tell us about what you write with deliverance. Well, let's take a look at Luke 10:19. Behold, I give you the power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. This is an amazing scripture, and I want to tell you a story about a friend of mine who needed deliverance. Can you imagine? Here she is. This happened up in Washington State. She walked out onto her patio one night Mm. when suddenly her cat scatted. And she and her husband looked at each other, but suddenly when they looked up, there was a 200-pound cougar leaping at them. And her husband lifted his finger and started to quote Luke 10, 19, a Mm. deliverance scripture, Mm. which says, Behold, I give you the power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy so that nothing shall by any means hurt you. He barely got the first few words out. When that cat 
then a somersault in midair and ran off. How amazing it is to know the power. And if you are ever in a situation where you need deliverance from God, what if you knew that scripture? And what if you could quote it? And what if you could just say, yes, I believe in deliverance, and I believe that God's deliverance is for me, and I believe that God is going to help me through this situation. Because guess what? God's power is more powerful than the enemy's power. And we can pray in his power. We can pray in the power of the name of Jesus. And we can pray in the power of the blood of Jesus. And when we do, the enemy is more afraid of us than we should be afraid of him. Linda, did we ever hear any more from that cougar? Yes. uh, They actually caught up with that cougar. The game wardens caught him, and it turned out this is the cougar had, that had been killing cattle. Mm. So this was not a light thing that happened. The Lord saved them through the power of the Word. Direction is the next topic. Yes, I love Jeremiah 33.3. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and wonderful things that you need to know. And, you know, I'm thinking about... A friend of mine, Amy and her husband, they needed God's direction. They wanted to adopt a child, and they had been claiming promises uh, from Scripture, like uh, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, which says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Here they were. They wanted to adopt a child, and then one Sunday morning, they happened to sit next to to a family with a child, and as they were talking, they found out a, a unique way they had never heard of. turned out that their human services program uh, had an adoption program, and they, were, they went, they, they found their daughter, and they never saw the other couple again. But God put that couple in the right place at the right time, and they found their daughter. Faith is the next topic for us, Linda. Well, faith is a really important topic. We have to believe, and believing in the promises or saying yes to the promises is a great way to go. And remembering what it says in Luke one thirty-seven, but nothing is impossible with God. One of the things that I do in this book is I talk about the different names of God as I relate them to the promises of God. And one of God's names is El Elyon, which means the Most High God. And this means he is a God that we can put our trust. And we can see that name. It was used in the story of of, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were servants of El Elyon. And even when they were thrown into a fiery furnace because they would not worship a false god. They called upon their god, El Elyon, our god, one of the many names of our god. And when the king looked into the furnace, there was a fourth man, a fourth man protecting these three men from being burned alive. And I believe that fourth man was God himself, El Elyon. And We can call upon our God. We can have the faith to believe that he is with us. We can have the faith to believe, as it says in Luke 137, that nothing is impossible for God. And we can 
know that he is with us. And to me, that's one of my favorite things is knowing that he is with me, knowing that he gives me permission to call upon his promises. And I especially know it, Pat, when it just comes alive to me. I just know in my knower, it just is highlighted into my spirit. And I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit when I find a promise that is of great value to me in whatever situation I'm in. And, you know, God's Word is alive. It's it's sharper than a two-edged sword. And so to find these promises is like a treasure, which is why I have collected all of these different categories of promises and put them into my book, Praying God's Promises. Ravel is the publisher, the life-changing power of praying the scriptures. Uh, The next topic is the faithfulness of God, Linda. The faithfulness of God. It says in Psalms 89, 8, Who is like you, Lord God Almighty? You, God, are mighty, and your faithfulness surrounds you. This is a miracle to know that God will take care of us. I'm thinking about a story where this happened probably in the early 60s, where a pastor uh, had to sell a house. He needed to sell this house. He was no longer living in that community, and paying two mortgages was way too much for him. And so he prayed, and he had uh, actually been driving in that uh, community that he had moved from. And, And as he decided to swing by the house, he made a wrong turn. And so he decided that when he got off at the gas station at the wrong turn, he would call his realtor and meet him at the house. And so when he called, when he got ready to call, there was a man on the phone, and the guy was going through some kind of listing in the paper. And when the man finally got out of the phone booth back in the day, um, he asked him, the pastor said, you wouldn't perhaps be looking for a house, would you? Turned out he was looking for a house in the very neighborhood where he had a house for sale. They went over there together. The man bought that house. My guest is Linda Evans Shepherd. God praying God's promises. More with Linda. But first, we pause for these messages on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour right here on 94.9 FM and AM 950 The Word. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Linda Evans Shepherd is the president of Right to the Heart Ministries, located in the Boulder, Colorado area. Uh, We're talking about her book, Praying God's Promises. And Linda, we've arrived now at this word godliness. What can you tell us? I love this one. Colossians 3.3 says, For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. One of my friends, Julie Morris, had a few pounds she just couldn't lose. And one day as she was reading John fifteen four, she read uh, where Jesus said, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, but it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And Julie changed her whole diet plan in that moment. 
she began to remain in the Lord and let him guide her and trust her to meet her spiritual needs and also her need for self-control. And she was able to lose all that unwanted weight and to keep it off. It says in 1 Timothy, training the body helps a little, but godly living helps in every way. Godly living has the promise of life now and in the world to come. And that's what we need. We need that promise of living, godly living, which simply means living in the presence and in the power of God. Next topic, Linda, healing. I love this topic. Jeremiah thirty seventeen says, I'll restore your health and heal your wounds, declares the Lord. You know, when we begin to understand that one of God's names means healing, that means he is the healer. The name Jehovah Rapha means the Lord who heals you. And that's what God told Moses to tell his people, to call him uh, one of his many names, Jehovah Rapha. And when we know that God is a healer, and then we find out he has promises, promises in his word for healing, like this one, Romans eight eleven, The Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. It is the same Holy Spirit that lives in you. He will give life to your bodies in the same way. One of my friends, Carol, felt like God led her to go to the hospital to visit a young man who was dying. He had no time left. And she just began to quote this scripture, the one I just read over him, and the Lord raised him up. By the next day, he was able to leave the hospital. Mm. Now, God doesn't heal everyone every way. I mean, for my daughter, he totally healed her, but he healed her on the other side of this life and in heaven, where my daughter is no longer disabled and is beautiful and, and fully alive. And so we have to trust God, that God knows best, but God is a healer, and God will heal you. Heaven is next. Ah, you know, I was working on this book when my daughter was leaving this world, and I had collected all of these beautiful scriptures on heaven. And what a wonderful time it was in the last 10 hours of her life. I began to read these promises of heaven, and I began to, to tell them, her about heaven, like from 1 John 2.17. And this world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases the Lord will live forever. And I begin to tell Laura, you know, Jesus is uh, the, the way, and, the, and he has made a way for you, and he has made a place for you in heaven, as the Word says. And as my daughter began to go into her last few moments, I told her, you know, Jesus can't wait to see you. Your papa is there, mm. and he has sent an angel to give you safe passage. And just then, my daughter gave the most beautiful smile, and she was gone. Mm. And what comfort it was to me to know where she went. Hope. Tell us about hope. Well, hope is really an very important one to know because the word says without hope we cannot live john sixteen thirty three says i have told you these things so that you may have peace in me in this world you have will have much trouble but take hope 
I have power over the world. Yep, we have trouble here. Have you ever noticed that, Pat? Oh, yes. <laughs> we do. And to know that we serve a God of hope and know his hope is for us and to know that, um, as it says in Psalms 147.11, know the Lord's delight is in those who fear him, those who put their hope in his unfailing love. We have a lot of hope. We hope that he loves us. We hope well, we know that he loves us, but we can hope in that. We can hope in that he is the promise maker and the promise keeper. We can hope that he will, through his son Jesus Christ, give a safe passage into heaven on that last day of our lives. We have a lot of hope. We hope that he is in every situation, and we can ask for his presence in every situation that he will turn it into good for those of us who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. We have a lot of hope, and the promises of hope are such a blessing to know and to claim and to say yes to. Linda Evans Shepherd is the author of Praying God's Promises, The Life-Changing Power of Praying the Scriptures. Ravel is the publisher. Now, Linda, I want you to tell us about joy. Oh, well, Nehemiah 8.10 has a great promise in it. It says, do not be sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. We also know that when we have the presence of the Spirit in our lives, and that's something else we can say yes to. Yes, I want the Holy Spirit in my life. That's it. That's all you have to say. Yes, I want more of the Holy Spirit in my life. Then we can have what, what the Word talks about as the fruit of the Spirit. And one of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. And the enemy cannot fight the fruits of the Spirit. When we have the fruits of the Spirit like joy, He cannot destroy us. And no matter what our circumstances are, we can stand in that hope. It says in Nehemiah 8.10, Do not be sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength, which we just shared. And it also says in Philippians 4.4, Be full of joy always because you belong to the Lord. Again, I say, be full of joy. Why not agree with that one? It's a lot better than being stressed and anxious and upset all the time. The next one is love. Yes, love. First John 3, 1. See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. Wow, we are God's children And we are loved by God. How wonderful it is to know that. I want to tell you that um, a friend of mine came to church one day, and she was really hurting because she had had such a traumatic childhood. She didn't feel loved. And not only that, she had a terrible disease, a a disease where she, uh, I, I think it's multiple sclerosis is what she actually has. And so we gathered around her to pray for her, and something incredible happened while we prayed. When we opened our eyes, she suddenly felt for the first time the love of God after our prayer. And it was like she was covered in peace, and this love, this glow shone from her face and through her eyes because she finally realized, yes, God's love is for me. How would your life change if you finally opened up your heart and agreed with God's love for you? Because it's very real, and it's there, 
and all you have to do is, whether or not you say yes to it, but to, but to live in it and to understand it, you have to say, yes, God, I open my heart to receive more of your love and to let you love me. It says in Proverbs 8:17, I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently find me. Linda, how do people reach out to you and uh, do you receive them? Do you like to hear from people? I do. They can go to my website, got to pray, G-O-T. T-O, pray, P-R-A-Y dot com, and they can contact me there. Linda Evans Shepherd has been our guest, and a good one at that. Linda, wonderful to chat with you. I think we've all been benefited here. Talk to you again. Thank you, Linda. Uh, we've got a wrap-up right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, you're listening to 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word, in Orlando. And we remind you that faith comes by hearing. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Folks, thanks for joining uh, the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour here. Uh, so glad that you could be with us. Uh, Ken Weitzman was our guest in that first segment, talking about his book, Redeeming How We Talk. And then Linda Evans Shepherd joined us from Colorado uh, in a dynamic discussion about praying God's promises. Uh, I invite you to visit my website. It's patwilliams.com. The Twitter page, Orlando Magic Pat. And uh, check out my most recent book, Coach Wooden's Forgotten Teams. It's about Coach Wooden and his summer camps. And uh, the years that he did that and the many, many thousands of youngsters that he impacted. I think you'll enjoy that book. Ravel is the publisher. Uh, We will be back next weekend for more right here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. And again, you're listening to 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word in Orlando. Have a great week ahead. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at the same time where faith comes by hearing. 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word.